I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Leika Devitha. Uh, I try very hard to get that right. Uh, you got it right. Awesome, awesome. Leika is a real estate developer and broker in Seattle, Washington. Uh, she's the president of Rehabit Homes and is also a uh, published author. Um, so all, all fantastic accomplishments. We talked a little bit about, you know, some of what I think you'll you'll share with the listeners during this uh, interview. But but Leika, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be great. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and, and I would love if you'll just go ahead and, you know, kind of share your story with everybody, you know, sort of how you got started, what, what got you into real estate and, and how you managed to, to achieve such success. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I um, never thought that this real estate was where I would end up. I was in fashion merchandising. I grew up in India. I was, um, you know, when I left India, I was in fashion merchandising. And then I moved to the US and I worked at Nordstrom Corporate, also in fashion, um, merchandising and strategy. And so, um, and I always, the only, um, I want to say exposure to real estate that I had was like being a real estate broker, selling and buying homes. So I didn't know that people bought homes as as investment properties. I didn't know that people um, bought large multifamily like syndicated or flipped homes. Like those were all like alien concepts to me back in 2014. Um, And I just happened to hear about a friend of mine flipping a house. And I was like, what is that? And so I started researching it and then I ended up finding a course, uh, Fortune Builders, um, that, you know, kind of showed me the different aspects to real estate investing, what was out there. And what was cool is um, I knew it was going to take a lot of work. I knew it was going to take a lot of hustle and grit and mental stamina, but the the results were there. There were people that were going on stage and talking about all these amazing deals that they've done and the portfolios that they own. And I was like, well, if they can do it, like I can do it. (laughs) And so that's pretty much how I got it, got started. I um, flipped one house in 2014 and fast forward today, seven and a half years later, I have flipped over 50 single family homes. Um, They're all down to the studs remodels. I don't do any cosmetic ones. Um, I flip buildings now and I just bought my first commercial property a couple of weeks ago. Um, and also I'm part of like a massive $30 million syndication. So big things can happen, you know, with little dreams and a lot of grit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting to me that you said, So when you were, you were, are you still a real estate broker? Are you still actively doing that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm now also a real estate broker. I got my brokers. I always wanted to be an investor first and learn that before I became a real estate broker. So I only got my broker's license 
2017, and but I've been investing for a lot longer than that. Okay, gotcha. So I guess that, that sort of answers my question. One of the things I've always wondered, especially uh, as you know, with, with multifamily, the, the brokers have, there's not like a, <laughs> there's no Redfin or, or Zillow to go online and sort right. of everything that's available. And so the brokers have a great deal of control over the market. And I, it always just, I've wondered, well, why don't the brokers just buy everything? Right. If they have, if they have, you know, these are these great deals, they have the access to them first. I've always wondered, why don't they just go ahead and do that? I mean, obviously, I don't yeah. think they could buy every deal, but it's, uh, I, and, yeah. and I think it applies in, in single family, uh, as a single family real estate broker that, that many of them don't seem to do any of the investing side, even though they essentially, you would have first look at, at a lot of these deals. Do you think that that's, do you think there's a reason behind that? Uh, you know, it's so funny that you asked me this question. I'm actually part of a very, very uh, prestigious, amazing brokerage in my area. Uh, we're one of the top producing brokerages and there's like 300 agents in my office. And I think out of the 300 brokers, there's maybe 1% that actually invests in real estate and works on building passive um, income. And I think that's because brokers have this, this mentality of just, you know, but producing active income through buying and selling homes. They don't have this concept of actually holding it, creating, you know, passive income. Um, it's just not a concept that they're privy to, which is really sad because although they're in the space of finding these amazing homes, finding them off market because they're talking directly to sellers, um, they don't have the savvy or the know-how to go out and invest themselves. And I'm actually speaking to my brokerage in a couple of weeks, maybe a month about how they should do that and how they can do that. Because I didn't want to become a real estate broker and then forego my investing career. And that's why I did the reverse. Like I became an investor first and then I became a real estate broker. And being a broker was not my primary um, means of income. And it was just a way to support my investment career. Um, and I think also being an investor and not a broker is the beauty of that is you have time freedom more than anything else, you're on your own schedule. You don't feel like doing a project, don't do it. You don't feel like going to an appointment, don't go. Cause it's it's on your time and, and there's good and bad to that. But at the end of the day, you're not on a seller's time or a buyer's time or you know someone else's time. Um, so I feel like that is the most important thing. And that's what we need to educate our brokers on. Cause uh, I see a lot of brokers getting burnt, especially in hot markets. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's great that you're going to, you know, sort of <laughs> spread the word at your, at your brokerage. It's just, I guess it's maybe no different than any other, you know, W2 job in the sense that lots of people are out there working really, really hard, but not, you know, not putting their money to use and, and having it, you know, kind of do something for them. Uh, from a passive yeah age. you know I think it's like also having the golden handcuffs yeah. if you're making so much money then why would you stop that and kind of you know divert from that uh, from the steady flow cash flow to go here and build a passive income portfolio or go invest in flips or whatever it is right 
you're already making enough money. Um, so it's like a chicken and egg. Right. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it is just, it is just that it's, it's kind of, you really can get caught up in that. I, I mean, I've, I got caught up in that in my, in my career, it was just like, right. well, I, here's how I make more money. I go and I work more. I, you know, it was just kind of doing that. And it's just, you know, if you're selling houses, whatever it is, you're, you're generating, especially if you're generating a good income, it's almost easier to not invest because you're like, Oh, I have enough money right. <laughs> now, but right. yeah, when you, when you start to think about though, the long term, it, it makes a yeah. whole lot more sense to get, you know, get into that passive game. Um, so how did you, how did you decide to start flipping? Great question. Um, when it came to real estate investing, I wanted to actually do new construction. I wanted to go out, buy land um, and build brand new. And that's only because I didn't know that flipping even existed. So I started researching new construction projects and realized that it was going to take me two to three years. And that's a long time to go. And we were just coming off the Great Recession, right? So that's a long time to go through something and not get paid. Um, without there being a definitive end in sight, um, without there someone saying, okay, if you do this, this, and this, then here's your profit you're going to make. Um, because the market could crash, um, you could have a lot of competition, you might just not end up making as much money. And so I decided to take the easier path, if you will. Um, and so I said, okay, fine, let's do something that is more short term. Um, that I can get in and out quickly where there's not that much market fluctuation. And so I said, okay, let me go in and do a cosmetic flip. So when I bought my first project, I thought it was a cosmetic flip and it ended up being a full gut remodel. And I quite like then, I mean, the amount of adversity I went through on that first project um, basically set me up for my career in real estate investing because I was like, okay, those are all the things that I got to watch out for going into my next projects on uh, my future projects. And so I, that's basically what happened. And through the course of my first, second, third projects, I realized that, hey, you know, I don't want to do like a lipstick remodel. I want to take things down to the studs and then reconstruct. And that's kind of what I became good at. Yeah. And so I just continued to do that. It, it's funny, you know, I think, you would maybe hear some people say that that was a mistake, right? That first, that first flip, you thought right. you were getting a cosmetic remodel and turns out to be a full gut. And, and uh, for, for people that don't know the difference, that's a, right. a tremendous difference in the amount of work and the amount of money that goes into that, you know, renovation, you know, it's not, it's not a little bit of paint and carpet. It's, you know, really <laughs> all new systems. I, I, I'm familiar. So I know. Yeah. Uh, with our house, we we ended up basically with a with a house that was just just the studs and a roof. It's a, which is not what we planned. But you get you know you die you get into it and you're like, here's right. another problem. Here's another problem. But what I mean, there's a couple of really cool points. There is you know one, it it sets you on a path to actually doing that on purpose, which and and I I agree with you. To me, that's that's kind of the best way to do a flip because you have, you know, everything in that house is the way it should be. Right. 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 
you, you sometimes watch these HGTV flip shows and it's like, I'm watching the show and I know they're not fixing this, you know, 50 year old plumbing and or some of the, you know, incredibly old electrical. And it's just when you when you go down to the studs, you can make sure everything's up to code uh, and and really be producing a product to be proud of rather than just trying to you know sort of make a quick dollar. Absolutely agree with you. Yeah. And so and I think if you had maybe if your first one had stayed just a cosmetic flip, you might not have potentially even, you know, kind of gone that way or maybe you would have run into that problem on a future flip or something like that. But um, yeah, very, very interesting. I, I think it's uh, it's probably a little bit different than what I feel like most people think about when they they, they think the strategy that, that you should do for flipping is is go in and find the thing with the least amount of work and and right. realistically maybe not you know maybe you're better off what do you do I guess so then how do you if that's your strategy how are you determining what are the correct deals to buy oh um I walk a lot of houses um you know and I and I evaluate a bunch of houses on uh just do a desktop analysis every day I see about two to two to three deals a day and I reject 90% of the deals that are sent to me. And um, for me, like, you know, where I'm buying my location matters a lot. The floor plan, not so much because I typically take it down to the studs and rebuild. So if there's a fireplace in the middle of the house, it's not a big deal. Um, the more distressed it is, the larger the spread and the larger the spread, the less risky your investment is. And so I'm always looking for those large spread remodels because I'm putting in the work anyway. So why not just, you know, take it down to the studs and start from systems, installation upgrade, all of that. Um, and then I have, you know, like I don't have a cash on cash return that I look for because I typically am not even putting any cash into it. I have bridge lenders, partners, all that stuff. So um, but I'm just looking at a straight up profit. I'm, I wouldn't touch anything less than 100K profit. And so I have learned to just do more deals with less. My last, I want to say six flips have averaged a profit of two to 250K. Um, and so those are the only kinds of deals I do. And I've gotten really good at picking them. So I, I see a lot, but I say no to a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, that comes with the experience, right? Now you're, if you're right. you know, seven and a half years into doing this, it, it's probably easier to spot the deals. You have a reputation. Uh, I suspect you probably even have people bringing you the deal, you know, they're. they're yeah, I don't do any deals off like an email blast anymore. Um, I only do deals when a broker calls me and says, we have this amazing deal for you. And so it's like, they're not blasting the deals that they send out to me. In fact, the, I'm buying a flip right now. And I said yes to the wholesaler two weeks ago, and I haven't even given them my honest money check, but the deal is being held for me. And it's like a pretty hot deal. And the only reason that I'm able to do that is because of my track record, because of my relationship with these people and you know how I am able to constantly buy and deliver. So I think those, are, those things are important when you're starting this, um, is always doing what you say you'll do. 
yeah, and yeah. taking care of the people that are essentially, you know, going out there and finding these amazing deals for you. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Just, you know, just following through. I mean, that probably sets yeah. you apart from 90% of people just by following through and doing doing what you say you're going to do. So um, it's a great point. The So flipping business is is not passive, right? That's a that's a you know, revenue generator essentially. And so now you're, I don't know if you're completely shifting your focus or if you're just trying to combine the two in terms of having uh, buy and hold real estate as well. Yeah. What's your what's your kind of strategy going forward with that? Yeah, um, so I started holding properties back in 2017 um, and I hold anything from single families to fourplexes. Um, it, and I just bought an, a seven unit office building. Um, and so I love holding properties because over the years, I have let go of some incredible homes or some incredible properties because my mentality was to fix and flip. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad thing, but you're right. It is very active. You pay a lot of taxes at the end of the day. And so it's just not as lucrative to the amount of work you're putting in. Um, so I, it just depends on the deals that are coming my way. If it makes a good buy and hold, then I will hold it. If it doesn't make a good buy and hold and we're just selling off the property um, or like if, you know, if it's easy, better to sell the property, make a massive uh, profit, then I do that. I take the profit and then go buy a rental property. Right. So I use my active income to fuel my passive income. Yeah, that that I mean, in, it that strategy could apply to essentially any active income. You know, whether if you're a doctor or uh, an engineer or what you know, whatever it is, someone in IT, it doesn't matter. You can use that that same strategy of taking your active yeah. income and then, and then you know, sort of putting it into these passive opportunities so that eventually you can replace your active income and then you know, work becomes sort of optional. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be the goal for every person to never work again. It's more just getting uh, getting that in your control and you know sort of the, the time control. So, um, right. yeah, I mean, it, it seems like you're you're a great example of sort of these combining all of these strategies, right? You, you know, all all within real estate, and that's something that I, that I love about the podcast is it's like basically everybody I talk to has a little bit of a different strategy. It's, you know, nobody's yeah. doing exactly the same thing. The same thing. Yeah. And, so, and, and that just goes to show you like when, when people, I think people unfamiliar, they hear about investing in real estate, they probably think that there's only one way to do that or, or, you know, but it's like dozens. I mean, it, it's really, uh, there's so many different ways you can do it. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, well, like, let's, let me shift gears a little bit and ask you uh, a few a few questions that I okay. like to ask every guest. Um, sort of appropriate to the name of the podcast being "Know Your Why." Yeah. What, what's your why? What are you? What drives you and, and sort of motivates you to to keep pushing uh, to achieve such success? Yeah, you know, I think um, my why, to be completely honest, started off with me wanting to build a legacy. Um, a legacy that my kids, my grandkids would be super proud of. Um, over the course, I think it's changed um, to wanting to teach my kids a certain work ethic. You know, they, they watch me 
hustling. They watch me uh, being busy and taking massive action. Like my son sees me on, on TV, on, on social media, and he sees my interviews and he's super proud. Um, there was a time that he told me that he pulled up Google in his classroom and Google my name and watch some of my interviews with his classmates. And I was like, that is so sweet. Like that's for me more important than leaving any kind of a financial security. Um, it's like having that, you know, like teaching my kids like what's important, you know, how to achieve your dreams. Like I don't have, a, um, I didn't, I wasn't like, I don't have, any kind of background or upbringing in the United States. I, I am an immigrant. I moved here like only 15 years ago. I don't have like a solid education from an, a fancy um, college. I didn't do STEM. So, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have an engineering math background. Um, so despite all of those hindrances in a way, I was able to achieve um, success and I think you know I've been pretty successful and just to show them that and show them that they can carve their own path um, that they don't have to set like follow someone else's path um, is is huge for me um, and then my other why is really to give back to anybody that wants to break away from their corporate jobs their mundane lives and do something that will really elevate them and make them satisfied of what they're putting together for their lives um, is, is huge. And if I can teach them and show them from what I've done um, and they're able to successfully follow or be inspired, then that's another huge accomplishment. Yeah. So I would say like my whys have changed over the years, but I think it's, uh, I've, <laughs> I have become very aware that the, your why is a fluid thing, right? right. So it depends on your, your stage in life, where you're at, you know, if you're maybe when you're first starting out, your why is to yeah. just not have to work at your job. And then, but then once you get to each level, it changes, right. when you have kids, it changes, you know, there's, there's so many different factors that come into it. And, and then, you know, as you were saying, you start to realize the the impact that you can make. You know, you're 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 doing that with your kids. You're doing that with your you know social media and and, and anybody that's getting to to know you and, and hear your story. You're doing that with other brokers. Like it's it's just once you realize the impact that this has had for you and your family, then it's almost like it's it feels irresponsible to not. <laughs> like try to get it out there and, and let everybody yeah. else know you know the opportunities that are available so uh yeah i i think you know that the the change in why or the addition to why is is a very it seems to be from everyone i'm talking to but it seems to be sort of a common theme it's like well it used to be this now it's this or and now it's this yeah it's it gets stronger in one area you know you your priorities change but nevertheless you find something to have as your 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 driving motivation so very very cool um yeah. i love that story about your your son sort of googling yeah. class and everybody watching the the videos that's amazing <laughs> um well tell me something about yourself that 
it maybe isn't common knowledge, uh, whether that's a special skill or a hobby, uh, something you're trying to work on, just, just something that's maybe not known by, by most. Oh my God, <laughs> uh, putting me on the spot. I, um, I built my first company when I was 18 years old. Um, and I did that by hand making craft out of bread, bread that we eat. And it was pretty cool. I was actually grounded because I was caught partying late at night. And so my parents basically grounded me and said that I wasn't allowed to step out of the house um, till I finished college, which was a bit dramatic, but I was grounded nonetheless. And so I was like, okay, I'm stuck at home and I got to find a hobby. And so I researched this craft and I learned it and I started making like the most stunning things out of it. Um, the local paper got wind of it and put me, put, I was 18 years old. They put me all over these, the newspaper and I became like this local legend. And then what happened was a lot of people reached out to me and said, Hey, I want to learn this craft. I want to do this. Uh, can you teach me? And so I started a school to teach people this craft. Um, and of course my parents were completely on board. They supported it. They like helped, you know, make this bigger. And I started generating like a massive amount of income. And I like basically funded my college, car, cell phone, food, everything. Um, and it's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I was 18 years old. And I always knew since then that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I would work for myself. I would be my own boss. Um, and so like every day that I went to work for someone else um, crushed me. And that kind of gave me the, the, the ability to go out and seek um, my own path. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, it's funny, you, you, you sort of earlier mentioned um, and, and you used the word hindrances about, or you didn't go to a STEM school and all of this. Right. I, I feel like the, the more of this I, here, I almost feel like traditional schooling might be the hindrance. Like it might be the thing that's holding people back from back. really big yeah. achievements. Because I mean, we need that. You know, we need people in engineering. We need people to move the world. I get that. And to be able to do that, people need to go through some kind of a traditional school environment. But I just feel like it's not for everybody. And if, if your child is not, you know, inclined to, towards that, it's not the end of the world. I feel like there's so many other opportunities for kids um, to go out and do some cool things. Yeah, absolutely. And they, and they don't teach, they don't teach us any of this in school. No, right? no, if, not if at you all. You want to be an engineer, you want to be a doctor or whatever, you, go yeah. to, you have to go to school for those things. That makes sense. But it sure would be nice if there was some, you know, I guess it's on us as parents, but like if if there was some part of school that was like, here's how to be smart about finances. Here's how to potentially use some of your income that you generate to create passive income. Like some things here are ways to, to you know, have tax deference or avoid, you know, whatever it is. Just yeah. 
things that, whether it's real estate or some other type of investment or something so that, that people aren't just working their whole lives to get to 65 to hope that they have enough money to live on. It, it's just, exactly. it's not, it's not a very good, you know, kind of system yeah. the, set up to be the norm. So uh, it, it's, it's great to have, you know, people like yourself that are, are entrepreneurial and now looking to pass that on to, to others uh, in, in whatever way that means. So um, that's right. what uh We'll, we'll put it in the show notes, but what's, what's the best way for people to reach out to you when they hear this and they want to, they want to talk to you and <laughs> get to know more about you. Um, they can go to my website, rehabathomes.com. I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn and Instagram and they can find me in both those places. Okay, great. And we can put those in the show notes. Um, final question, like what would you give, what would you give as advice to someone uh, maybe a few years ago where you were at and you were, you know, early in your journey, what, what would you tell someone to kind of keep them motivated? So they don't, they don't listen to you and say, oh man, she's, she's way too ahead of me. What, what I could never achieve that. What, what would you tell them? Yeah. I mean, I went through so many, I had so many limiting beliefs. Um, you know, I was a woman, I had no construction background. I didn't come from a lot of money. So um, don't let any of those things be a hindrance to you. Uh, the one massive piece of advice I would give myself if I had to start over is that I would hold everything I bought. So, you know, I would never let anything go. If I was putting the time and the effort to construct it and remodel it, then I should have just kept it. <laughs> so uh, that's one thing is if you're in real estate, try to find a way hold the property you buy. California just, uh, the governor Newsom just put out, a, signed a bill that states that they're curbing all single family zoning. That means you can't build any more single family homes. So I just wish, you know, from the get-go, I was holding on to properties, but never too late. <laughs> well, so far, you know, follow up question to that, maybe a little bit of devil's advocate. You, I mean, you were flipping and so you, you needed something to generate revenue. Right, so, right. and I hear, I hear people say that, oh, I never should have sold this because now, you know, in hindsight that values went up and all of that stuff. But at, at the time, if, if you had had it, it's an interesting kind of place to be at in the beginning when you're like, yes, I would love to hold everything, but then how do I get the money to get to the next step? And so okay. there are ways. So what, what would you say? Right. To that? Great question. Um, have you heard of the Burr strategy? The buy, rehab, rent, refinance. If you can find a property that you can burr, then the amazing thing is you can actually pull all your money out with a cash out refinance and move on to the next project and use the money to fuel the next project and the next project and the next project. I was able to actually get my, you know, I, I own about 27 units now and it's all in the hot like Seattle market. So every unit's like four or 500 grand a piece. Um, and I was only able to do that because I was able to cash out refinance. So traditionally burr my properties. That portfolio costs way too much money 
to keep funding myself and putting in those down payments. So the only way you can do that is by buying a distressed property, by raising the value, renting it out. So when the bank appraises it, you know, your appraisal is pretty high compared to um, the loan amount that you're seeking. And then you can get your bank to give you as much money as a billing appraise for and do a full cash out refinance. So pull all the money that you put into it out and take that money and go invest in the next project. No, it's, it's a great strategy. And I, I, and I like I said, I was sort of just playing devil's advocate because there are, there are ways to do it. And that's a great one. Uh, other people's money. I mean, there, there's, OPM. there's ways to make that stuff happen. Right. Despite what you might, you, you may not know that right away, but you know, the information is out there and there's, there's ways to make it happen. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that would say, you know, well, if I had kept everything I I bought, you know, 10 years ago, now it's worth three times as much money. And like, that's true. That that's what real estate, real estate does. That's the power of real right. estate. And so it's like, right. you're, you'd be hard pressed to find a piece of real estate that's worth less money now than it was 10 years ago. Like 10 it years ago. doesn't really happen. And so it's kind of like people don't, they, they sort of miss that yeah. the power of time when they're, when they're, you know, and again, it comes down to the limiting beliefs and everything. You're just like, Oh, I don't, I don't have the money. I don't, if you, if you commit to it for a short amount of time, you're still going to get exponential gains over that, that long term. So I, I think, uh, and the, the birth strategy is a great one. So, so thank you for that. Um, well, great. Uh, that was that was awesome. That was a ton of information, uh, a ton of value for people. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, thank you so much for for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jason. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Have a great day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.